For our second message today, we have a, a split sermon from Mr. Sean Witt entitled, Rejoice in All Things. Mr. Witt. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to day two. So before I get started, uh, my wife came on to me to mention she had a little brooch she was wearing yesterday, like a little sailboat. It had a, like a gold hook on it. Anchor, thank you. And the anchor fell off. So if anybody is about looking around, if you see a little anchor, uh, please return that to Kim. Uh, she lost it. She thinks outside around the tent. So possibly out in the grass somewhere. Well, here we are in day two, Feast of Tabernacles. What a crazy year this has been, to say the least. But you know what? We're here celebrating the best time of the year. We are God's feast. It's truly a blessing to be here, even more so this year than in years past. And we really need to recognize that. What a blessing it is to be here. Because there's a lot of people that are unable to come to the feast due to sickness, job loss, a lot of different reasons. But it's a real blessing to be able to be here. And I'm grateful that we have a facility where we're able to have the feast hosted this year. You know, the space may be a little tighter than we're used to, different feast sites we've been before. But um, let's give each other ample and extra space and grace to make it all work. And I think we're all doing a good job so far. So who would have imagined earlier this year all the craziness and evil that has happened within this past eight months? You know, it just shows how quickly things can change, and they never may never be the same exactly as they were previously. But my point is, in all of this, the world has changed, and as a result, we've never had a feast like this before, where we've had to plan in such a short time. We're in new territory. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about prior feasts I've been to before that didn't quite happen the way I thought they would. And I'm sure you guys have had a few feasts like that where everything didn't go quite the way you had, the way you had planned. You know, I've heard stories of people going to Big Sandy for the feast for many years and, you know, be camping out and a big rainstorm would come through and wash everybody out so you all be soaked and everything would be all wet. But... You know, everybody pressed on and had a good attitude about it. And I never went to Big Sandy, but uh, I remember Squaw Valley, you know, as a young child, uh, first coming into the church, and we'd be in the big tent and get pretty cold in there. And I do remember that it took almost an hour just to get out of the parking lot because there was just so many people in and out. And I think it was the same at uh, Wisconsin Dells. It would take a long time to get in and out of the parking lot. So that's when we... Thousands of people at the feast. One feast that stands out in my mind, when I lived in Utah, we were heading to Steamboat, Colorado. Uh, this is when Samuel and Alyssa were quite young. I think Samuel was about three at the time. And they're in the back seat and we're driving along through the mountains. And I heard something from the back seat. Uh, faintly, I heard, uh, I don't think I feel so well. <laughs> and... Um, he started to say, I think I'm going to, and before you know it, he did it. All over the car seat and everywhere. 
So anyway, we're traveling through the mountains, and we're like, oh, we got to clean this kid up. He's got stuff all over him, and he's all upset now. And so anyway, uh, we pulled off to the side of the road, and there's this beautiful creek running along through the mountains along the road. Like, this is great. So we grabbed him out of the car seat, took him down to the creek, washed him all off, got the car seat all cleaned up, put him in a new change of clothes, and down the road we went again. So it was a great blessing to have that creek there to help clean him up. You know, I have many more examples I could share, but I'll just share one more. Uh, one year, I don't remember what happened, but we hadn't probably put our request in for accommodations early enough. And we'd called, and we actually got a room we could stay in for one night. And so then we had to load all of our stuff up with young kids to another room, and we were there for three nights. And then we moved again for the rest of the feast. So it was just a lot of interruptions of small kids moving back and forth through the feast. It was kind of a headache, but, you know, it's so easy to focus on the negatives, uh, but we need to be looking at the positives around us. And we just thought to ourselves, hey, we're at the feast. Who cares we had to move three times? Not a big deal. So we were able to have a good attitude about it and press on. We just thought, you know, it's a huge blessing to be here. You know, as we're celebrating and rejoicing before the Lord, let us all remember we're commanded to rejoice. Remember to keep a good attitude. You may have something happen to you or have somebody say something to you that might catch you off guard. You know, it could possibly test your attitude. And when I was in Utah, we had one of our elders there, and he had a message, and I've never forgotten it. It was entitled, Hitting the Pause Button. And basically what that means is, when you have information that comes to you, take a moment uh, to accept it and see where the person is coming from instead of being reactionary and having a bad attitude. And I know for me, this is really good information for me to ponder uh, because I can find myself going from zero to 60 in a heartbeat if I'm caught off guard. And with that information, it's just better to take a pause and just think about what's going on and give person grace and realize that you know it's, it's not a big deal after all. So, as we still live in a fallen world, it's very easy to get a bad attitude with everything going on around us. And Satan would like nothing more to encourage us to have a bad attitude. At this point, you're probably thinking, wow, Sean, thanks for your downer message. <laughs> Here we are in day two. You know, but my whole point is to remind us how thankful we need to be and how grateful we are to be rejoicing before the Lord. So let's focus on the positive. We're here for eight days to interact with each other and rejoice. We need to help each other rejoice during the feast more than ever and cherish this time we have together. You know, there's not much out there to rejoice about, honestly. So, let's go to Hebrews 10, and I want to refer to uh, 19 through 24. That's Hebrews 10, 19 through 24. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his holy body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we possess, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how many, how we may spur one another toward love, good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, more than ever, we need to look to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a trying time for a lot of us, as we've talked about already. A lot of people out of work. There's people that have had their hours cut drastically as well. You know, I know what it's like to be unemployed. It's not a fun place to be. But I'll tell you what, I know that God was with me during those times. As I look back, I can see how God orchestrated events that allowed me to gain more knowledge and experience to be gained for the position I currently hold. Sometimes it's all about God's timing. My present employer actually had received my resume a year previously, but the timing just wasn't right. It wasn't in God's time. Uh, what had happened was the manager's mom had passed away, so as a result, they decided to uh, abandon the position at the time. I didn't realize this at the time. I thought, well, they're just ignoring my resume, and I kind of moved on and actually went to go work with uh, Matt Steele at uh, where he's at. And it was a good transition at the time. So when I applied to a staffing agency one year later, I did not realize it was for the same position that I had applied for a year previous. I didn't even realize it was with the same company. Uh, but anyway, the hiring manager remembered my resume from a year ago, and he hired me on the spot in my interview. So the seed was planted with my resume being there a year previous. So God does things in his time. Sometimes it's hard for us to see, but it takes looking back to see these things. It is so easy to get discouraged when God has closed a door or he's said no to something we really want. But I can hope you can see and be encouraged by this example. We never know what seeds God is planting or what he is working out behind the scenes, like I mentioned. And remember, I'm just going to quote this verse. Um, Romans 8.28 says, All things work for good for those who serve God and are called according to his purpose. So, we're here at the feast. If you know someone who needs prayer and extra encouragement, please keep them in mind and go out of your way to help to have them have a great feast. In fact, do more than that. I challenge you to intentionally ask God to show you who needs help and how he wants to use you to be a blessing to them. It might be a kind word or it might be something a little more. But whatever it is, you can make a lifelong impact on them and uplift them in ways you would have never imagined. You know, I mentioned earlier ago, a little while ago, at the beginning of the message, how my son had uh, got sick on the way to the feast. What I didn't tell you was that my wife and daughter also got sick. <laughs> For about two days, I think it was like um, a day or two into the feast, but it was for a little bit of time. 
So there we were, supposed to be rejoicing, but we're quarantined to our room. No fellowship, no sermons, no meals with friends. We tried to listen to an audio broadcast. Uh, you had to dial in on the phone by telephone. The audio quality was really poor. It was hard to hear. Uh, live streaming was not available like today. Uh, definitely a blessing to be able to have the live streaming. So honestly, we came close to leaving the feast and coming home. That may sound shocking, but we felt very isolated and miserable. And as I mentioned, we couldn't even listen to the messages, really. We didn't go home, though. So what changed? Well, God used a man to encourage us. A way that left an indelible impression. Before Kim got sick, um, she had met this gentleman in line while getting coffee at Starbucks. You know, you've got to have your coffee before services start. And uh, so... She had talked to this gentleman in line, getting coffee, and they just chatted back and forth. And we had asked for an anointing. And so you can imagine our surprise when the same gentleman came to our door to, uh, to anoint us. You know, that could have been the end of the story. He anointed us and left, but it wasn't. That's not the end of the story. So yes, he anointed us, but the next day he brought us a gift. A basket of two Starbucks mugs, some coffee, some gifts for the kids, and we stayed for the feast. God healed us of our illness, and we rejoiced, not just because it was a feast, and not because we were healthy, but we were rejoiced in the kindness and the tender mercy of a loving God who used a man to remind us that he saw us and loved us, and therefore was there for us. And... I just want to show, well, actually, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, we actually still have these mugs, and they're an impactful reminder of God's love and mercy. In fact, I accidentally broke one of the mugs, which was a really bad idea. I know things like that happen, but uh, I don't know how, if you guys know how difficult it is to try to find a mug that's been discontinued. Because uh, Starbucks only runs like limited kind of deals with their mugs. But go Amazon. Amazon to the rescue. I got on there and I got another one to match the, we had two of these. So I surprised her one day uh, by getting her a new one. So it's not just a mug. It really means a lot to us. Everything it represents. And one other thing worth mentioning about this um, If you don't follow this prompting from God, you know, he might find somebody else to fulfill that task. Maybe so. But you may be uniquely qualified on the life experiences you have to help somebody. The man God sent us in our story had several life experiences that allowed him to truly emphasize with our circumstances, and it made a difference. Knowing that people care and are praying for you and having their encouragement is huge. And currently, there's also a lot of people that have health issues. As we know, the prayer list is getting longer and longer all the time. Many people are home during this feast because of the pandemic. You know, I'm thankful we have services streamed here, making it possible for us to share with the people at home that are unable to connect with us. So it makes it better for them. 
as I mentioned before, my mom loves connecting with us online. She is on every single week. Um, it's a highlight of her week. By the way, hi, Mom. <laughs> Got to put that plug out there. She would tell me on the phone if I didn't tell her hi. So you're my witness. I told her hi. <laughs> you know, it's so easy for us to take our Sabbath services for granted because we come and we go as we please. But for those that are shut-ins, it's a huge blessing to be able to connect online. You know, as I was putting this message together, I was thinking, it is so easy to get caught up in our own life's challenges, not to stop and consider those who are unable to be with us. They need our encouragement and prayers probably the most. I can't imagine what it's like to not be able to leave your house and go where you'd like to go. You know, getting a phone call or send a card during the feast could be just what they need to encourage and brighten their day to make the feast feel even more special to them. I think it's pretty awesome that we always have some cards at the information table to uh, sign and send to people that are unable to be here. I think that's a, a good thing we should continue. So we looked at praying for others and writing cards, but what else can we do to combine rejoicing before the Lord and encouraging others? Well, I found the issue, the answer that is in Philippians. So please turn with me now to Philippians 4, and we're going to read verses 4 through 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And catch this part. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. It's a promise. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. And my God will meet all our needs according to his riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. So let's break it down. In the beginning of the chapter, Paul says, we are to rejoice before the Lord always. Not just at the feast, but always. We are commanded to during the feast, but he would like us to do it all the time. Think about the wonderful blessings that God has given us. We have a lot to rejoice about. I really do. Even in this world's chaotic state in which it gets much worse as time goes on. We know that it will. God wants us not to be anxious about anything. He wants us to give us peace, the peace that surpasses all things, and to make our request be known to him. He wants us to make our request known to him. He wants us to be still so we can hear him. 
and come before him in prayer and let him know what we desire in our hearts. He wants the very best for us. He wants us to succeed and overcome in this life and receive a crown, as Ian mentioned yesterday. You know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We just have to let him. We're the ones that stand in the way. You know, what a wonderful God we have that loves us so much that he gives us a break from this crazy world to be able to spend our money on our heart's desires, rejoicing and receiving instruction for our future for these eight glorious days. Turn with me now to Deuteronomy 14, 26. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires. You shall eat there before the Lord your God and shall rejoice. And you and your household. You know, as we rejoice before the Lord during this feast, I have a challenge for each of us. So we've got some homework. I would like you to all write down five things, five things that you're thankful for every day during this feast. My wife mentioned this to me as I was putting the message together, that she had heard uh, this from Dr. Amen. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Dr. Amen, but he is um, he's a doctor who is the leading advocate of brain health, and he does brain scans where he actually looks at the brain to see how the brain has changed with different types of things you are doing. Uh, so I went to his website, and I found a short article I'd like to share with you. I'm just going to read some of the highlights of it. So regarding making this list, it says, focus on gratitude. Although being thankful is commonly associated with the holidays, which we don't keep, there are significant health benefits to remaining grateful year-round. Did you know that practicing gratitude actually makes your brain work better? It causes significant changes to occur in your brain and can enhance function and make you feel better. Research suggests that focusing on gratitude helps to calm the deep limbic areas and enhance the other judgment centers of your brain. People who express gratitude on a regular basis are healthier, more optimistic, make better progress towards their goals, have a greater sense of well-being, and are more helpful to others. Living in a state of gratitude is more than thanking someone for opening the door for you, although that's a good thing to do. It's about having an attitude of gratitude despite hardships or setbacks. Implementing these six habits can help you to remain grateful during the holidays and throughout the year. So there's six different uh, suggestions. The first one is take time out. You may feel pressure to do everything to everyone, do everything for them, but there's only so much time for a person to accomplish this. Uh, increase your energy and stamina by giving yourself a timeout. And then the second one is write it down. This is something I need to do because if I don't write something down, I'll forget it five minutes later. One of the best ways to remain grateful is to write down five things, as I mentioned. Keeping a journal can be an enjoyable hobby as well as a great way to unwind after a stressful day. When you focus on what you love, your brain works better and you'll feel better you should notice a significant increase in your level of happiness in a short amount of time. Uh, it also mentions uh, three, you listen to relaxing tunes, 
Uh, it's no surprise that listening to music can increase your pleasurable feelings, improve mood, boost energy, and raise dopamine levels. All things that God has created to make our brains better. And then the next point I like is put people first. Disconnect from technology, not people. Multiple research studies have indicated that spending too much time texting, browsing an internet, and posting content on social media can lead to stress, sleeping disorders, anxiety, and depression. On the flip side, spending time with positive people can be a dramatic impact on your health and habits. Be grateful for family, friends, and others caring people in your life. Uh, number five is boost longevity. Expressing gratitude for blessings and experience can actually prolong your life. Although that sounds too, uh, too good to be true, uh, different studies have indicated that gratitude can definitely extend lifespan. Gratitude produces optimism, which can lead to longevity. Do whatever you can to stay in a grateful state. Your future self thanks you. And then meditation and relaxation is the sixth one. Take breaks for meditation and relaxation can profit benefits for both your physical and mental health. Spending at least 15 minutes alone without distractions may refresh your brain. Clearing your mind, slowing your breathing can help restore inner calm. Repeat simple words like, may I be safe and secure. So it increases uh, positive emotions and decreases negative ones. And gratitude on the brain, I just want to share this really quick. Uh, Psychologist, Psychologist, thank you. Uh, Noelle Nelson and Dr. Daniel Amen conducted a study on appreciation and gratitude while working on her book, The Power of Appreciation. Uh, they actually took tomography images were taken of Noelle's brain 30 minutes prior to her first scan. Noelle made it on things that she was thankful in her life. Her brain looked very healthy after doing the scan, uh, just after a, an appreciation meditation. Several days later, Noelle scanned after focusing on major fears. Her fearful scan radically looked different than her meditation scan. Noelle had significantly decreased activity in her cerebellum and temporal lobes. The results of Noelle's scans were striking. Thankful thoughts had a positive effect, while fearful thoughts had a negative effect. So just I know there's a lot of words there in that article, but just putting together a list of five things to be thankful for will definitely work towards changing your brain. Focusing on the high things. So, as we go to our activities, remember to let your light shine to the world. We don't know what people are going through in their personal lives but they notice we're different. And an encouraging word or a smile can really go a long ways. We have no idea what that impact's gonna be like I mentioned before. So in conclusion, I'd like to go to Philippians uh, chapter four, I'd like to read verses eight and nine. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So, think on these things. 
And remember to rejoice in all things as we rejoice before the Lord. Why do we rejoice? Because we know the end of the story. We win. And what happens after that? It's not a fairy tale. And they all lived happily ever after. We all lived happily ever after. For those that can't read what it says.